Hey guys, welcome to LT Brings the Heat podcast. We're your host, Sean Laird, Adam Heisler. Um, we kind of got an open discussion today. Me and Adam are going to sit down and, and kind of talk and, and, and see what's updated and going on in the facilities and stuff. And we we're talking about some stuff before we hopped on here about, uh, you know, uh, Collegiate League and some cool news that Adam has and some stuff he tweeted about the other day, but also just kind of what's going on from the day to day. But man, what's going on, Adam? Uh, none too much, man. It's glad to be back on here recording again, uh, talking about some baseball. And yeah, you brought up some news. Uh, we got a summer college baseball league coming to Mobile, Alabama this year that I'm going to be kind of heading up and just kind of being an ambassador for of kind of in charge of getting guys to sign up and come this way. So Mobile's got a great history of just baseball in general. So it's going to be nice that we've never had anything like this in the area for college players that come home in the summer or that live here full time for them to be able to do things. We know a lot of guys will go off and play up north or in the Cape. And it's not going to be anything like that. It's going to be more, I think, geared towards you're getting your live game reps in, but you're also being able to train, which is very important in the summer. And if you're doing summer classes or if you have to work in the summer, it kind of works out perfect where it's, hey, I know two nights a week I'm going to be playing baseball. And then the other days I can kind of have my weekends to do what I want. And then also if I have prior obligations that I need to take care of, like there's ways to work around that. So super excited about it. It's going to be any guys that are seniors graduating, heading to play for high school or junior college, D1, D2, D3, NAI, just whoever it is, we're trying to get the best of the best just that are going to be in this area this summer. They kind of play, they'll play about 25 games total plus playoffs. It's wood bats. Uh, one venue we've already locked up is going to be Spring Hill college. The other one we're still trying to work. I want to try to get, a turf surface just based off how much it's going to rain here in Mobile. We all know it's going to rain. So trying to get a turf surface so we can still get those games in. But uh, I'm excited about it, man. I haven't uh, been around a summer league. I actually never played in one myself. So I'm uh, kind of pumped to kind of get to see these kids interact and watch how they're playing and also just spending time around these guys. And we're going to offer a training package for the ones that are that are playing in the league that want to train, whether it's at our place or with the QB quarterback country performance from a workout standpoint that uh, we can just kind of get these guys the best of both worlds that are serious about trying to get better at the same time of kind of blending the two together of training, but also kind of getting the live reps in too. So I'm excited about the opportunity. Uh, a lot of good guys are involved in it. So I'm pumped to kind of bring it to the mobile area and let these guys get after it and have some fun this summer. So hopefully uh, any guys, college guys that are listening out there that are interested, you can head over to the website. I tweeted it out yesterday and you request your spot, what location you want to play in, and then they'll get you all set up on sizes and positions and all that kind of stuff too. So it's going to be cool to kind of get the manage the rosters and spread them out from position players to pitchers and just kind of do the best we can to make the most competitive teams possible all in the league where we're trying to have at least four to six teams in the league that can play each other. Uh, and then do like a round robin playoff type thing at the end. So looking forward to it. I think it's just another continuing of growing the game of baseball that uh, it's going to be cool down here in the South to kind of have these guys playing at home as opposed to leaving to go play somewhere else. So we're pumped about it. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool, too. And it's kind of amazing that, you know, there hasn't been a league around that area, especially with all the talent that comes out of there just around the coast in general. And and we were talking about before he hopped on, but like, you know, college baseball in the summertime, like training in the summer, it's changing that, you know, the Northwoods leagues in the Cape, that all that stuff's always going to be and always will be. But I, I, I really love the idea of creating these, these smaller leagues across the country. Like grand parks got a league is pretty much, pretty much everybody went a three hour radius of um, Indianapolis. They're playing in this collegiate league as well. And like you said, it's, it's the rising freshmen that are coming in 
it's good for them to go see, you know, elite level talent instead of the old school days of, of playing maybe 18 U travel ball and facing, you know, Jimmy throwing 85 miles an hour or 80 mile an hour in some cases, 70 poo. Right. <laughs> but like getting that more realistic environment, but also too, like we talk about it all the time, like my, my best year prepping for college was the summer that I, I didn't necessarily play uh, travel or travel summer baseball for college because um, I stayed at home. I was rehabbing from an injury. So I was kind of putting myself in a situation and I st stood inside live bullpens and I got to train. And that's where I, I felt like I made my best. Cause we talk about all the time. Like it's so hard to be able to put consecutive months in of training when you're playing constantly and you're doing all these things. And if you can get that mix between, you know, playing those three games a week or whatever, and still training and having those four days to be able to work on speed and work on a lot of other things. So you're getting yet, you know, your, your specific training and your general specific training. I, I just think that's such a big deal. And I think that's been something that's, I think it's happening organically, but I think it's something that should happen more often. No, I couldn't agree more. And at, like I said, I didn't play summer ball. And a lot of that reason was because after my seasons of playing, whether it was at Faulkner state and junior college, or even at South after my junior year, I was, after 50, 56 games, man, your body's beat up and it's tough just to strap up and the next week you're headed up up north and you're going to play another 56 games. So then you're looking at a, whole, a whole total of 120 something games that you've just played, not to mention as soon as you get back from there, you usually start back up in August and school starts. And then guess what? Baseball practice is about to begin. So it, it becomes a full year round of not just training, but playing. So it is tough. And I think that's the cool thing, like you were saying about blending these two together of you can still get your training in uh, even like you South Alabama, for example, of guys can train with their strength coach there at school three to four days a week, as well as getting to play two nights a week or three nights a week at the, in their game. So it's going to be a great job to kind of blend it all together and let everybody reap the benefits of both the training as well as getting the live reps in as well. So I'm pumped up about it. I'm excited about it. And, uh, just can't wait to get it started. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Well, like, let's kind of transition to what's going on at Heisler. He, I know you guys have been focused a lot on, on, on your bat speed protocol and, and kind of the, your things and, and running through and, you know, kind of organizing lessons in a different format. Like you guys, since you guys start February 20th, like kind of what's run us through kind of like what you guys are doing throughout like kind of November, December, setting up into the new year now with uh, training guys in the facility. Yeah, so a lot of guys this week and last week have had their, I guess, their second month retest for the ones that have started doing this back in September. And uh, we're seeing some great results still improving in the right direction of bat speed, exit velocities, uh, time to contact quickness, uh, just a lot of great benefits. And all our goal was from that two months, even we're going to extend it over to December, too, is we called it just build the engine, meaning let's build the engine as powerful as possible. So when we transition over here in a couple of weeks to more in-game setting stuff, like now we're ready to rock and roll to get after it, to get ready to play, play these games. So it's kind of like a blending phase of we're coming off the strength, quickness, speed, powerful stage and transitioning over into more in-game like. So now people ask, are you doing, so are you, what are you doing? Like different types of drills or how, how are you blending these two together? And the biggest thing is, these guys have been on the way to bat program. So they're, every day they've come in, they have been swinging these way to bats throughout the whole session. So what we'll do when we transition over is these guys will now go back to their bats only, uh, what they're going to be swinging during the season. I'm a big believer in trying not to mix 
like a wood bat and your aluminum bat throughout rounds just because the weight, the density, some stuff can get thrown off. So I like these guys to train with what they're going to be using during the season just to kind of have hand path. Everything's repeating itself over and over. So we'll also kind of add in more direction work, not necessarily trying to swing fast and crush the ball. Uh, big things we're going to add in too is the machines will get back out, uh, the offset batting practice, the live VPs. We haven't really been doing much of that this year in this, in this phase because all I really wanted to focus on was building the strength and building the speed and building the bat speed and ultimately that transitions over to more exit velocity. So it was going to be more like in-game setting, uh, in-game type of adjustments. There won't be any weighted bats. We'll still hit some plyos just because I really like the plyo balls because you have to square them up. And that's become one of my favorite things is having these plyo balls teach the hitters when they're mishitting balls without me having to say something. Like you'll feel it as soon as you hit it of if I clipped under it or if I clipped on top of it and I didn't catch it square. So it's automatically like hitting the plyo balls, you just work on hitting them flush. And that's the biggest thing that you get a lot out of it is now I'm starting to square up the ball. So I know what squaring up a plyo ball looks like also squaring up a baseball. Um, but the biggest thing once we transition over is, well, my whole reasoning for like building the engine was, so when you get in maybe that game setting and you don't want to swing hundred percent, that's fine. You hear a lot of the greats talk about like when they're in the game, like they want to feel like 70, 80% where they're under control. And so now think about it where you're 80%, is way more than that 80% used to be because you spent time building the end speak. So it's going to be really cool to see these guys that have bought into it to transition over to this phase. And like some of the guys are hitting VP on the field already with whether it's their dad or some high schools are allowing them to do some VP stuff on the field that they're like, coach, man, like I'm crushing these balls to the outfit. Like I didn't used to, like these things are, everything I'm hitting is just hard. And now you're really starting to see them understand like, man, this is sick to actually get the experience on the field. Cause we've only been in the cage. Like I haven't been on the field with any of these guys, so I don't know what it's going to look like, but for a lot of guys that have been spending time in the weight room and on the way to bats and doing this program, when they get on that field, man, it's going to feel like they're the incredible Hulk out there. And I'm excited for them to just kind of see like, Holy crap, I'm hitting the ball hard. And the coolest thing was we had a new kid come in uh, last Thursday from Pensacola and uh, his buddies have been coming in and he's just like, he pointed out one kid in particular. He's like, coach, that kid is hitting the crap out of the ball. Like, what is he doing? That's what I want to do. And I said, all right, if you, this is what you want to do, like, this is the plan. Now it's up to you to put the work in. So he came in Thursday and I saw him again on Monday and it was cool. Cause I asked him, I said, all right, how many days have you hit since I seen you? And he said, every day. I'm like, heck yeah. So this dude was bought in from the beginning as opposed to he came Thursday and then he's going to wait a whole nother week and then hit with me again one one hour out of the whole week so this kid is he's, he's seeing he's getting some instruction but now he's understanding what it takes to kind of reach that level to get to where his buddies are so i'm pumped up about it it's been a fun phase it's the first time i've ever done anything like this and i would recommend it to absolutely anybody out there that is kind of tinkering should i do weighted bats or should i work on bat speed yes because like we've talked about before is if you can swing the bat faster, every person out there is going to sign up for it and you're ultimately going to start hitting the ball harder. So if this is something you're interested in. I would definitely start to dive into it, ask questions. I know Sean has his program out there online that you can get into the bat speed program, the bat speed trainer. Like there's a lot of good information out there. Just ask, do research and then come try it out. And I promise you, once you try it out, you almost become addicted to it, so to speak. That it's like, this is what I look forward to. So once you transition over, it's going to be cool to see these guys kind of be like, all right, that stage is over with. Now let's lock it in to get ready to face some live pitching. So that's what's been going on in our place, man. What about you guys? I know you have your um, 
throwing stuff coming on. But what about your hitters? What have they been mainly really been focusing on? Because I know you all start a little later than we do. So what have you been really focusing on with your hitters right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, I listen to guys talk about hitting all the time. And I try to I try to get as much information as possible. And um, the one word that annoys me so much, which I use this word, like I'm not like saying I don't use this word or and I know you use this word, too. But like individualize everything, individual, individualize, individualize. And, and, and I hear people say that all the time. It's almost like they have no like theory or they have no mission. They have no kind of template. They have no kind of training method. And so I, I always when I first started doing lessons, whatever, like what have we seen, it's 2021. So in college, you know, or in college, essentially in 2008, 2009, just doing lessons on the side of Mobile. Like, you know, you just work on a kid, you address some weaknesses and stuff. But now obviously in a facility, like we essentially have like times of the year that we focus on different things and we have a template and I have a template that everybody follows, but it's, it's a template that, you know, it could be, maybe it's 60% followed by this kid, you know, kid, kid A and it's 80% followed by kid B. But there's certain times of year that we focus on different things. Like you said, like I've been, I've always been obsessed with bat speed and, and, and power and all that stuff and trying to figure things out. It's like, so we, we essentially have like, we have a sledgehammer bat speed program that we do. And there's a bunch of variations of the program. That's the one that you're talking about that released online. And then we have like the weighted bat overload underload that we do. And I don't buy bats, but I buy certain bat weights. So we use donuts, we use hitting jackets. We use PVC, we use fungos, long fungos. We use so many different things. Um, and we do a lot of, you know, testing of exit velocity at certain times of the year. Like I used to test it all the time and now we, we kind of spread it apart more about three to four months at a time because I like to see guys like really see big gains or big average. That's a big thing is looking like you saw, you said on a podcast a couple of episodes ago, so we want to see that average, you know, that average increase, that constant barrel contact that go up constantly. Like, you know, your max effort obviously is going to go up. You know, we talk about max output versus operational output. The operational output is what you're going to be doing consistently on the field. Um, like right now in November. So right around this time, I always start making the transition to doing a lot of weighted ball work like you're talking about. And, you know, I can see the swing. I can see certain things and you can talk about it and stuff. And, you know, a, a kind of a Frisbee hit with a weighted ball might be a low line drive or a top spin line drive. And kids might be happy with that with a regular ball. But like you said, with a weighted ball, you know, kids get pissed. Like you see guys that are learning and, and they're trying to get feels with it. It's like, dude, you know, you're not on playing. You're not staying through the ball. You know, you're cutting the ball, you're slicing the ball, whatever. And like you said, it's great. And we use 15-ounce weighted ball, essentially a pound-weighted ball um, most of the time. I like the feeling of the heavy ball. Um, I like the feeling of the kids getting through the ball. Um, I might invest in some ones that are a little bit lighter so I can throw them overhang. So I try to throw a pound weight of ball. My arm's going to be dead. <laughs> but anyways, like, so we make that transition. So we do, we do the weight a lot. The weighted swings that we do, we do them both sides. So we do them right side and left side. Um, we do them as a warm up. So we do a lot of dry swing weighted type stuff. Sometimes we'll hit off a, a tee. Sometimes we'll create momentum. We'll do like a rhythm into it. We do a lot of those things kind of speed up. Sometimes we're on the knee, sometimes we're not. Um, but I'm a big believer, as you know, from my back injuries of, of training both sides and working on both sides, and, you know, getting to that, that mindset. Um, I've been tinkering around with some new stuff. I feel like I've been on the edge of like learning and, and figuring out hitting on a whole nother level, just been on, you know, different level mentally. And I'm, I'm kind of making my own little concoctions and little uh, drills and little, um, uh, devices with tires and stuff that I'm excited about. I'll, I'll probably talk about in the future once I finally get these done. But 
now since we're kind of dead in the offseason, so November, December, January, and even February essentially is is pretty much middle offseason for us. And once January hits, you know, we start throwing into a little bit more of a timing and trying to get guys with some stressful velocity, short distance BP, and then, you know, we, we increase that volume. And once we get to March, when essentially when we start, you know, we're doing a ton of that overhand BP. We're usually doing a couple of rounds and kind of getting used to it, getting the feel. Um, usually in February, I'll start mixing up and doing, you know, short distance change-ups, service distance curveballs and stuff, just trying to change in speeds. Right now, we're still focused on a lot of underhand training. I do a lot of – I've kind of mastered over the years of kind of working on spin with curveballs and, and, and change-ups, stuff, especially with softball players, trying to mix up the underload. And I like, I like getting 15 feet away. We usually will do this right before our weighted round. I'll get 15, 20 feet away with the underhand, and I'll just let it rip. I'll keep my same tempo and my, my load and my stride when I, as I'm tossing, but I'll really speed it up. Um, sometimes I'll sit, like, obviously in a seated position for what the research says, that's going to be more of the, you know, the angle, the plane the ball is going to be arriving in. So I'll do it from a seated position as well, so it's more realistic to uh, where they have to match plane swinging. Uh, but as we transition into uh, January and stuff, but there's always going to be a new flux. The guys always talk about the, the flux of train of kids coming in. It'll be January. Um, you'll have some in season and then you'll have some right when the off season starts. So with those guys, they're kind of behind because they haven't been able to kind of train. And I always talk about this and, you know, the guy that's half ass or half in for off season training, he's not going to get the same benefits as the guy that's full time. And, and we talk about it all the time, but I just, the people are like, Oh, well, I'm going to do this a little bit here and then I'm going to stop or whatever. And it's, those guys that show up in January, no, no, nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, you can get better, obviously, in January, but they just missed that two to three months of just this heavy, a lot of volume of overload, underload training and a lot of the bat speed type stuff. And now, you know, we're making that transition to more timing overhand and, and bat and, and reacting to, you know, high velocity type stuff. So there's a lot of things that, you know, guys come in. So with them, it's like, hey, Let's maximize what we can. We're still doing bat speed because we do bat speed type stuff year round. In season, we'll cut down a lot of the volume because it rotates so much. Um, and we kind of do more of our stuff we do is for more health, rehab, mobility. We do some PVC stuff, um, T-spine stuff to kind of help them make them feel good. Because guys will come in, they'll feel like crap. Um, but essentially, like, you know, that is kind of a run through what we do. We, we kind of change it depending on the time of the year. And um, Early in the offseason we, is when we really break down swings. And in the middle of winter, we'll break down swings a lot, too. We're always breaking those down. We're always changing things here and there. Uh, but essentially, I give kids homework. Like, I have my kind of my top <clears throat> top three to five drills that we'll have for certain parts of the swing and certain feels uh, that we'll get with new clients coming in. But a lot of our, our, our heavy, heavy, heavy training type stuff, uh, we do kind of at the beginning of every single session. No, and that's, that's huge. I mean, just being able to blend all that stuff together. And you brought up a great point about uh, – kind of like tracking this stuff. And earlier this week, I sent out a tweet. So a hitter I work with, he's been getting questionnaires about from MLB scouts. Now it's funny. Remember back in our day, they would have to come in and drop it at your locker and you have to fill it out and send it. Now it's all virtual. So it's over the, the computer. They just go straight to your email. But anyway, when they're filling this out, it's asking them, do you hit with an instructor? If so, what's their name? What facility do they work at? all right, do they have Rapsodo or hit tracks numbers or exit velocity numbers? And then do they have blast numbers as well? So like this stuff is getting important to MOB guys that are looking at prospects and people ask, well, that doesn't matter. I mean, it should be all about what's in game, but like we've said before, like there's so many different parts of this, that it's just a piece of the puzzle. 
Meaning if I can know right away that this guy's bat speed is 75 and he's hitting balls 100 exavila with wood, all right, he's got juice, I know that. So now we can go ahead and mark that off the table. Now I want to watch him live in game. I want to watch his batting practice approach. I want to watch how his ball flight is. I want to watch his plane, his path. Now, because they've already got out the metrics and the numbers there, so they know that's that piece of the puzzle. Now let's add in the other stuff versus the unknown of, hey, I watch this guy, but I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't have that sound off the bat. Well, yeah, because he's hitting the ball 85 versus 88 or 92, whatever you want to get at the number-wise. But the big thing is just with these guys getting more involved and learning, there's metrics to track out there. So I highly suggest that you are tracking these things and keeping up with these yourself versus always going off – I guess what you felt. And and it's tough because as hitters, we do talk about feel. Feel's important, but I also want to know that my bat speed has improved. Instead of just kind of feeling it, I want to physically know that my bat speed improved. Just like if you're in the weight room, like I want to know my squat max is up. How you know that? You actually have to go max and find out. You can't just guess that, yeah, I think I squat this. No, it's do you or do you not? So it's just kind of helping give just a backbone to a background of what is in the tank, so to speak. All right. So now we can kind of mark that off the checklist and go on to some other stuff that is important, more in-game type stuff. So there's like a certain threshold. I've talked about it before, a threshold that pro scouts and even college scouts are looking for that they almost need you to meet. And if you don't meet them, it's all right. Well, they're probably not going to be that much that interested into you. So there's different thresholds from hitting of bat speed is a threshold. Exit velocity is a threshold. It's just the way it is. If you don't hit the ball a certain miles an hour, like maybe you're not there yet, but do you have a chance to get there? Or maybe you are peaked out. Like this is as good as it's going to get. So they have to try to decide that when they're looking at you. So guys just kind of track this stuff, keep up with it. It is important uh, for those at a big, another thing I want to add with the overload underload and the weighted bats is like a lot of questions I get was, well, like, what about my mechanics? And a lot of the times is like you're swing, we're still work the same type of drills that we've done before on mechanical stuff, but you're doing these while swinging the way to bats. And one thing I like the most about with the underload overload is now you're almost cleaning up your own path without knowing it with these different weights because the barrel weighs different. So now you're really focusing on barrel awareness and bat to ball as well as with its, it's, if it's heavy or it's light. So now it's kind of cleaning up it's the mechanical flaws that you may have had without you even really focusing on them. So don't get so caught up into, well, is it going to change my mechanics? Because no, it's not. It's just going to improve them actually versus doing the other way. Now, if you go in there and you completely jack your leg up to your chin and try to do a big leg kick, that's something that you normally don't do. Yeah, that's not the way you go about it. You trust your swing. It's just you add these constraints to make that swing even more explosive and powerful and quick. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, speaking of like fixing the swing and stuff, it's kind of that adapt or die philosophy. You know, I, I use that that terminology all the time. Like you get a weight weight on the bat. Um, it, it really kind of shows if you're using your core and if you're using your body efficiently too. like we'll put on weights on and we have five ounce, nine ounce, 12 ounce, 16 ounce and 24 ounce. I, can I put a 24 ounce on a 12 year old kid? Hell no. I don't, I, we don't do that, but can I put it on a pro prospect? Hell yeah. We could put a 24 ounce on a pro prospect, but when you, you kind of see the kinetic chain break down, when you, you add certain weights and you kind of see certain things um, be inefficient, like, okay, like I'll have, I have this one kid who's, he's a D2, D3 catcher. He's got multiple offers on the table right now. Uh, he's really good. He's, he's improved. So I, we joke around all the time. His first round of BP, his first session three or four years ago, whatever it was, it was, 
you know, pretty much six, four threes and five, four threes the whole time. Like, and, and now the kid hits 95 plus exit below hard as hell. He's a good kid. He works his ass off. Um, but you know, like if I put him on that still to this day, if I put him on that 24 ounce, I start seeing little kinetic chain breakdowns. I see, I've seen a little bit of front side, a little bit of drift. Like he's not really, you know, using his core and rotating efficiently getting the, the, the connection he needs with the backside with that weight. And so I have to kind of slow down the reps with him a little bit and kind of get a little feel. Cause do I want to stop using it with him? No, because he's going to get, like, he needs to be able to do that. He needs to get strong enough to do it. But there's a big difference when I change from that 16 to 24 ounce weight. Um, now does the most of the reps he does at the lower weights? Yes. But I kind of want to see how his progression is with this. And it kind of leads me on the next thing is like in the weight room, I always tell guys like there's this, especially new kids that come in to train with me and, like I, I, I will put our program and put what I do against anybody. And I always tell guys like there's different ways to improve strength. And there's kind of this, you know, conventional wisdom that people think like, Hey, you know, the only way to increase strength is increase weight. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're increasing strength with that. But I tell guys there, there's, there's four main ways that we increase strength, right? So do you increase your weight? Yes. That's increasing strength. Are you increasing your reps? Are you doing that same way that you did last week? More reps this week or more reps now a month later, you know, so increasing your rep total, right? Number three is increasing your bar speed. Are you moving that bar faster? Are you doing the exercise like your explosive exercise more explosive? Like if we're doing, you know, dynamic effort box squats or if we're doing, you know, speed deadlifts, um, if, we're, if we're doing some kind of clean pull jump, are you moving it more efficient? Are you exploding up from the, the Swiss bar bench press? Are you exploding up more explosively? That's increasing the you know, power. That's your speed strength. That's increasing your strength. And then the fourth one is your technique, you know, is your mechanics, is, you, is the quality of your movement improving? And the, all of those same things you can apply to baseball, like, you know, you know, is your speed improving? Is your exit velocity improving? Is your is your uh, velocity on the bump improving? That's easy to tell. Is your average velocity improving? That's easy to tell. Is your movement quality improving? So, like, if you have any kind of mobility assessment or you have certain exercises, like, we don't do mobility assessments with the hitters, but we have mobility exercises that we do. So, if they see themselves improving, whether it's, you know, PVC turn, T-spine rotations, or, or hitting PVC rotations, you can see – that first day, that ankle shaking like leaf on a tree, that knee's moving. They can't get full rotation. They can't turn their pelvis properly. And now they're moving more efficiently. Now they're able to kind of get that hip-shoulder separation and get those feels. Sorry for those who listen to my alarm went off to pick up kids from preschool. But, you know, so there's there's so many ways you can improve, like direction. Like we talk about direction all the time. Like it, like you were saying, energy to opposite field. Are you hitting that ball with power to opposite field, you know? Sooner or later, I'll have a radar gun all the time in the cage at certain times. I don't like having it on all the time because it gets this whiplash syndrome. Kids are looking to see how hard they hit the ball. I, I kind of wish I could just put it up on my phone, and maybe someday I will put it up on my phone so I can kind of see, you know, is that exit velocity the opposite field? How how close is that to the pull side? Or is that exit velocity, is that consistent? Like, are you, you top set of balls or whatever? That's how we can see the kind of direction. You know, are you seeing backspin on your balls? Are you seeing too much excessive backspin? Are you seeing topspin? What's the percentage of improvement there? What's your line diet percentage? There's so many ways, like you said, there's so many pieces to the puzzle, right, that you can look at for improving. Like those metrics that you're talking about, that's something for scouts to look at. The sound off the bat, adjusting and seeing spin, right? There's so many parts of the game. Like no matter what people do, fast speed, running speed, throwing the ball, those are tools that have to be there. Like you have to be able to compete at that level. 
but there's other there's other ways that you can see your improvement as well too and that's just kind of i always like using that analogy in the weight room and people kind of forget like kids get so obsessed with increasing the weight increasing the weight in the weight room especially young guys in middle school i'm like listen just follow this rep scheme. Okay. Follow what we're doing. Like I have the middle school guys will start with main exercises at six by eight. They'll do that for four weeks and they go to six by six for four weeks. And then all of a sudden they go back to six by eight. Um, and they're like, damn, I'm doing like 30, 40, 50 pounds more now. Like, this is kind of crazy. And it's like, dude, like, yes, but you've got to be able to be consistent with that weight and move it more efficiently, get your body set. Cause you're only as strong as your weakest link. And, and like you were just saying, was like, You've got to be, you got to be able to have an awareness of what am I improving day to day? Am I, how do I know? Right. And because some kids have no idea, some kids have no feel, no direction. Um, one of my employees was working with a kid and he asked the kid if he hit a ball in a barrel and the kid didn't know. He didn't know. It's just a young guy. It's like, you know, sometimes we try to make things too complicated and we kind of just break things down. And that's in the weight room. I'm, I'm harping that all the time. It's like, these are your four things you're trying to improve. Okay. We have the Excel sheets. We see the numbers. We see with the, the numbers and where those are improving too, but also, you know, work on your field, work on your technique, see where you're at. You know, there's, there's so many ways to do this, but you know, you got to be able to think outside the box. You kind of got to get away from that conventional wisdom from people. You know, I don't want to say the old school people, but you just kind of got to get away from that old wisdom of, you know, understanding what is improvement versus what's not improvement. No, those are all great points there. And earlier this week, I was talking to a coach um, just about how I think the next kind of wave in baseball is going to be kind of getting rid of the old monotonous regular batting practice. And I just think more teams are going to start shifting to more competitive type of batting practice because think about it when hitters are hitting and they're hitting against 45 and it's always coming right over the plate down the middle how many times in game is that actually happening? Not even just the velocity, but you know, it doubles, but also like how many times are the ball coming right over the middle of the plate? Very rarely. And at the upper levels, if you're in college or pro or even up level, some upper level high school guys, if somebody throws a ball over the middle of the plate, you should hammer it. It's just kind of a given. It's what about the top of the zone, bottom of the zone in out. Like that's where I think the next wave is going to be from that's going to separate kind of that, those guys that hit really good batting practice versus guys that are hitting really good games. And I think it's going to be a big part where the players have to buy into, into this too, because they're used to the 45 mile an hour feel good, which as I think they're going to start to transition over to more, Hey, challenge me, coach challenge me because they're challenging me in the game. And I need to learn that I can hit that outside pitch by doing a certain type of movement. Me always hitting the ball down the middle, isn't going to help me hit that pitch in the game. So challenge me. And that's when it's going to be fun is to see kind of that next wave take over of, all right, let's make practice harder than the game is like we talk about all the time on here, what's most me and Sean do this already. So it's, I think this is going to be the next wave and I'm excited to kind of watch it. This is, try to take over and maybe it is having pitchers come in and actually throw live to your guys before games. But as simple as a coach, if you'd like to throw batting practice, I challenge you this coming up year to start challenging hitters and batting practice. If you're taking BP on the field that day, like don't just always throw it right over the middle, challenge them up and in, up and out, whatever it is, put some velocity behind it, mix in a curveball, mix in a changeup. Like this is what I think is going to be the next wave to start seeing more game type of hitters against this upper level velocity that everybody is starting to see now. Yeah, that's a great point, too. And it's also going to force kids to stop trying to pull the damn pitch all the time. <laughs> like, like, hey, you're getting curveballs away or you're getting these, these fastballs at the knee on the outside corner. 
adapt or die, dude. Like you got to figure it out. Like you, you can try to roll over that six, four, three ground ball as much as you want, but you know, it, you, you got to figure it out. You got to be able to understand the game and get better at the game. You're never going to improve on what you don't work upon. And, and that they, the in game situations we need to work upon constantly, but it's also, it, it's also going to help, you know, coaches too. coaches will get better all day, every day. And one thing in Indiana too, like you were saying that they don't do BP for shit up here. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I, I, that's the reason why the pitchers I feel like are always ahead. Like I always ask kids what they're doing and practices. I they're getting like literally like two rounds of six mm-hmm. for swings and BP. And I get like schools are limited with baseballs are limited with, with time and stuff. And for me, like, if that's the case, man, they need to get inside the cages. Like I didn't mind doing cage work. Do I want to hit on field BP more? Yeah. I would rather do that, but to get reps in and, and not sacrifice time and be able to still get those reps. in, I'm, I'm all about getting in there and getting that environment. I do think that the high school level, I don't know what it's like down where you guys are. I would assume it might be similar in a lot of cases because everybody wants to cover bunt defense and first third defense all day, every day, um, which that is important. And we need to make sure that we do that. But, you know, there's there's only so many times you can go over it until guys need to be able to figure it out and take ownership over the situation. No, I, I know personally the schools that win a lot around here are on the field batting practice a whole lot more than the other ones that aren't. And it's on the field batting practice with different types of stuff, whether it is the coach throwing or the machines or the breaking ball machine, whatever it is, like they're on the field hitting pretty much every beautiful day out here versus you can, and you brought up a great point about bunt coverages and stuff like that. Like save those days for when bad weather comes and like do in classroom days, Hey, we're going to go over on the chalkboard bunt coverage D how to do it. And that way, when you, Hey, you remember we went over it. All right, let's go to the field. We got 10 minutes to run this the right way. Just like you saw it on the, on the board. It's the same thing with football players. Like they see the play happen and then they go, install it so to speak so same thing with bunk coverages first and thirds write it on the chalkboard and then put it in hey it takes five to ten minutes maybe 15 all right now we can spend more time hitting i mean we always talk about those that hit a lot hit a lot meaning they're really good because they hit a lot <laughs> so guys that are not hitting they're not going to be good as in the game and i'm with you totally if those guys that don't hit a lot on the field struggle early in the year because they're not used to the depth perception, the being on the field, the actually being in the batter's box facing a pitch coming at them as opposed to a tee or a front toss or just batting practice inside of a cage. So, no, any chance you guys get, man, you have to get on this field and hit. And like we talked mentioned before, is hit all different types of pitches and hit them to all different types of the field. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think it's a good a good place to end it right there, man. This is a good episode to kind of sit down and chill and kind of talk about. Is there anything else you want to add on there towards the end? No, I think we're good, man. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of that stuff, like little things like, you know, training and getting there, it just kind of t- takes a little bit to think outside the box. Sometimes I forget, like, you know, what I'm talking about or what we're, what, what we're referring to. It's kind of like, you know, we do this every single day, so it seems like common sense to us. Um, there's a lot of uh, kids that, you know, or coaches or parents or whatever, they, they, they never really kind of think in that situation because everybody wants a controlled environment. But, you know, the game, it's not a controlled environment. You know, the game's not controlled. We, we, we got to put pressure. We got to change. We got to make things hard. You know, iron sharpens iron. Yep. You're right about that. But all right, guys. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please uh, like, share, and subscribe. And until next time, we'll see you guys later.